On the Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk. Now, you're very welcome back to the programme. I'm Mandy Johnston in for Gavin Riley today. I'm joined in studio now by Donal Fallon, who's presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast. And this week, Donal, we're talking about the anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima in 1945. So today is the anniversary of that bombing and um, it was a defining moment in human history. Um, of course, this story is currently being told on screen in Christopher Nolan's smash hit Oppenheimer, which I think you've seen. Uh, Nagasaki followed day, days later and ultimately ended the war. But in both of those cases, I believe there were Irish survivors who lived to tell the tale of the atomic warfare and what that looked like. And even in neutral Ireland, where war reporting was greatly restricted, the events in Japan terrified us all and were significant. So do you want to talk about the Oppenheimer movie? Maybe let's let's kick off with that. Yeah, these, these atomic bombs are, are, are kind of back in the public mind, aren't they? And look, Christopher Nolan's movies are always fantastic. This is a masterpiece. It is surely an Academy Award nomination uh, for him and indeed for, for our own Killian Murphy. And it's had a phenomenal run internationally. I mean, if, if people haven't seen it yet, I don't think there's anyone in the country who hasn't seen it yet. But if you're if you're the last person in Ireland who hasn't seen Oppenheimer, the, the Irish Film Institute, not far from us, uh, they're showing it on, on 70mm film, which is exactly how Christopher Nolan intended it for it to be viewed. And it's an experience in itself. And you know what? The sound of the film going, there's, there's nothing like it really. But, you know, unlike Barbie, uh, this film still has no release date in Japan, which is extraordinary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's not uncommon for, for Western movies to arrive into Japan weeks or even months later than elsewhere. But they normally give some indication when it's going to happen. And this is now a kind of exceptional uh, circumstance. So, I mean, that says something. You know, we're, we're generations on from from this event, but 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 it still hurts, you know. And, and at least on, on, on one level, there seems to be serious issue taken in Japan with the way these two movies are being promoted together. I mean, mm. Warner Brothers Japan took aim at, at their own headquarters, which is unusual, and said, you know, we consider it extremely regrettable. We're asking the US headquarters to take appropriate action. So, yeah, this is this is 1945. This is not exactly distant mm. uh, human history. And, you know, it's something that still lingers. Yeah, and it's not just the the movie that's getting traction because of um, there's there's quite a bit of sales going on in relation to the book as well I believe Yeah I was looking at the Irish book charts the Nielsen book charts there there's a, a book that's been flying up the charts great subtitle The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer and you know hundreds of Irish readers every week seem to be buying that book so so people are keen to know you know not just the, the great dramatised version that Nolan has given us but the, the true facts really I suppose of what happened and it's really interesting because none of the fathers of the, the atomic bomb at any level None of them seemed, you know, particularly uh, to regret what they'd done, but none of them seemed particularly proud of it either. You know, they they, they viewed it, I suppose, as a a necessary evil. Einstein would later insist in an interview, I've always been a convinced pacifist. And then Oppenheimer himself actually went, I found this amazing. He went to Japan mm. in 1960 and he said to the press there, I do not think coming here has changed my sense of anguish about my part in this whole piece of history, nor has it fully made me regret my responsibility for the technical success of the enterprise. I mean, that's some language, isn't it? Mm. The technical success of the enterprise. It isn't that I don't 
feel bad. It's that I don't feel worse tonight than I did last night. Incredible, yeah. And I think a lot of the movie is about that, the struggle. And I haven't seen the movie yet myself, but I have started the book and I could highly recommend it. But I just want to turn, uh, if we can, to the Irish dimension in this. Um, You mentioned that there were survivors of both the atomic bombs ranging from nuns to prisoners of war. Can you talk me through who they were? Which is just amazing. Amazing. We always try to find the Irish dimension uh, to this tale. uh, To any, whatever we're talking about each week, what's the Irish dimension on this? And there's plenty. I mean, when, when Sean McBride won the Nobel Prize uh, for peace. An incredible achievement, Sean McBride. Won the, he won the Lenin Prize and the Nobel Prize. Very few people got them both. But he used the speech and he, he talked about how, you know, in the midst of this rapid revolution, man discovered nuclear en- energy and harnessed it to make weapons of destruction. Now, for the first time in the history of humanity, human beings have it within their power to destroy all living beings on this planet. And he made the point nearly as soon as it was discovered, the nuclear bomb was used and annihilated the populations of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Since then, additional countless and unknown thousands have been killed by nuclear fallout. I mean, remarkably, not just did an Irishman condemn uh, Mm. these bombings winning the Nobel Prize, there are first-hand Irish testimonies of both of them, which is amazing. Uh, Many in Ireland could only imagine what it looked like because, you know, we had quite strict wartime uh, censorship. And and the kind of initial belief in the Irish press was that no one could have survived this. Mm. I mean, one Irish newspaper said, Hiroshima, Japanese city of a population close on a quarter million, has been blotted from the face of the earth. The destruction being wrought by the atomic bomb. I mean, they felt like no one could actually be left. But in time, I mean, a a truer picture began to emerge in the Irish press. And incredibly, we learned that there were were Irish people who who had witnessed this incredible moment in history. Yeah, and Julia Canney's survival seems miraculous in itself. And she, she only spoke about that, though, towards the end of her life. Born in Galway, uh, 1894. She's sitting outside what's called, this is just incredible to imagine this, the Sister of the Holy Souls convent in Hiroshima when the bomb drops two kilometres from the very epicentre of the blast, which is just unbelievable. Mm. And, and towards the very end of her life, uh, a journalist tracked her down from, a, from the Anderstown News, from a, from, from a paper in the north and interviewed her. And she, she recalls, suddenly there was a huge bang in the sky just above the city. We were all thrown from our seats onto the ground. Realising that it was a bomb, we picked ourselves up and made a run for cover into the convent. We'd only just taken shelter inside when the entire building began to shake and give way. We turned and rushed outside again, the convent collapsing at our heels. The convent walls collapsed before our very eyes and beyond where the wall had stood until a few seconds before lay the remains of our neighbourhood. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary words there. But also an Irish man was involved in capturing some, some of what were the most defining shots in the aftermath of the blast, many of which would remain hidden for a long, long time. A very different story from, from, from that sister. But Daniel McGovern, who's, who's born in Monaghan, 1909, he, he's involved in the US Air Force. He's a photographer and a cameraman during the war effort. And, you know, before this, he'd kind of been you know, leaning out of a plane over Nazi Germany, kind of photographing the, the aerial bombardment uh, of Nazi Germany. But he ends up being sent in to Hiroshima in the immediate aftermath of it. And it's just amazing. His biographer, Joe McCabe, writes about this. He says, on September 9th, 1945, I mean, we're talking a month later, you know, mm. McGovern entered the ruins of Nagasaki with correspondence. He found himself amidst the cataclysmic scenes of death and destruction one month to the day after the Fat Man atomic bomb had been dropped on the city. He would film there and in Hiroshima and all over a defeated Japan for the next eight months. I mean, this guy McGovern, he witnessed the, the, the real realities of, of what it looked like with a camera uh, in hand. And I always think about morally what that must have felt like, you know, on, on one level to be to be photographing that kind of destruction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just wanted to move briefly then, in an Irish bar, there's a relic of, of Nakasaki, I understand. It's amazing. An- another man who's there, Aidan McCarthy from Cork, he's a prisoner of war in, in Nagasaki, RAF man. He had a really 
bizarre experience actually when he was a POW in, in, in Nagasaki after Hiroshima had been bombed they kind of felt right okay the, the war is up the game is up the Japanese were kind of increasingly uh, bitter and angry and they, they ordered him to dig his own grave mm. in the aftermath of Hiroshima and he, he said that to dig one's own grave is an extraordinary sensation I imagine it is but you know when the bomb fell on the city that he was being kept captive in uh, he remembered we all genuinely thought for some time that this was the end uh, of the world but they survived it and, and he was a doctor by profession he rushed to work in the city and there's something very human about that isn't there I mean you're no longer a prisoner when an atomic bomb has fallen on the city that you're in you're now just the humanitarian in, in an unimaginable situation and he brought back with him from Japan uh, a ceremonial Japanese sword from yeah. the war which belonged to a general and that takes pride of place in the family bar McCarthy's in, in, in West Cork which, so which, yeah which, a, a, a strange souvenir one might say of, uh, of, of Nagasaki Absolutely but uh, important to note that everyone is reduced to an individual in those circumstances Oh yeah, yeah. Just finally and, and very briefly Donald because time is upon us but Nolan's film has reopened a debate on these bombs and, and what happened in Hiroshima Yeah no no, um, no spoilers here but I mean the, the movie does end with that big the, the, what I like about this movie it doesn't end with a full stop it ends it ends with a question mark yes. you know, that's how it was and it's an extraordinary piece of cinema and anyone who hasn't seen it the, the four people listening who haven't seen it yet please do take your chance to see it Well I'll absolutely be one of those uh, but for, for now we're going to have to leave it there Donald thank you very much for coming in to us that was Donald Fallon presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast On the Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.